0: Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Team Success. Today, I am very, very excited and happy to talk to one of my dear friends and clients, Charlie Bassett. And what we're going to tackle today is kind of the issue of hiring. We're in an interesting labor market, we're maybe hopefully coming out of COVID some things have changed. And Charlie, in our conversations, we've talked about a lot of different things. You're one of my favorite people because you're almost always on the weekly planning calls. So I get to see or talk to you, or at least know that you're listening every single week. And we've had conversations about how great you are at communicating your intentions and your planning. But one of those things that you are often focused on is attracting and finding and hiring great people and keeping them. And you have some really clear thoughts that you share with me one day. So based on that, I was like, ooh, Let's record this conversation because I know it's going to be rich and fun and interesting. So can you tell people a little bit more about you and your business and then we'll jump right in?
1: Sure. Thank you. My name is Charlie Bassett. I'm from Port Clinton, Ohio, and I operate our family's grocery and hardware stores. We've got three stores. They take a lot of people to run. So Strategic Coach has been super helpful in getting me to organize all the details and attract good people and keep our stores running efficiently with great service every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Just talk about your team, because your team is pretty stellar. They've had to handle enormous amount of change. Grocery stores were open. These are the frontline workers. So talk about your team and how you guys have really weathered the changing, <laughs> how you've navigated all the changing circumstances that COVID's brought.
1: Well, I think before COVID, we always were a little bit fat with people. We always had just a little bit too much labor. We'd always have the shiny object syndrome where we'd see somebody that we really liked and we'd bring them in, but it worked. It was working. And even before COVID, we would make these investments in people and six to 12 months later, the results would be huge. So my main managers and I, we were all kind of on the same sheet with that with COVID. And then when COVID hit, it was just zero to a hundred overnight. And... We had a a good team and everybody was ready and so we were able to really kind of capitalize on it give people great service and great service is another reason why we always kept a lot of people because our service levels go up and above what normal grocery stores or especially chain stores walmarts kroger things like that they just can't compete with us on the service they can absolutely compete on price but we chose not to compete on price a long time ago so that's where the service Factor comes in, so we always had plenty of people. COVID hits, so we were still trying to give good service, but we just had to get the goods in and out the door as quickly as possible. So I think that helped us get through that time period. But then also with the weekly planner, it helped me have a little bit of clarity through a lot of chaos during that time, and it still does.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really neat because one of the things that we talked about fairly often when we connected was you know how you would celebrate your teams taking on challenges working through the problems you know really encouraging them as they went through you know it wasn't easy there were shortages of staff you know there was concerns about health and safety and just really helping work through all of those really sometimes not small issues but things that could hold things up and you were so encouraging and so validating of your team's efforts that's one thing that really impressed me as someone who talks to a lot of people about their teams, a lot of team members about their entrepreneurs. I was beyond impressed, as I've told you, with your constant acknowledgement and you know stewardship a little bit of how people need to think about things. But you really have been phenomenal about celebrating your team.
1: Well, they're the ones that are really making all the magic happen. And I think back to COVID for a second, I'm a quick start. And I think quick starts were built for COVID because everything changed so quick. And so I had everything changed, you know, before the sun went down that night and then the next day it would change again. And so my team was kind of watching this, but they knew it's what we had to do. And so I think we're a great team in that aspect that I can realize when we need to move fast and then they can bring in the expertise to get it to the end result. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't do much. They did all the work, yeah. you know, and so we can celebrate that together.
0: I love that. Yes. Quick starts are definitely made for crisis. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, yay, we get to be in in motion again, you know, which is really fun. So in terms of your team, though, you were just sharing with me before we hit record, you know, that you're recognizing that you're not fat anymore in terms of an excess of capabilities and talent and really needing to supplement the team and add more people. And, you know, conversations have come up with your colleagues, probably in the workshops about getting great people. And I want, you know, a large part of our conversation today to be about hiring, how to think about it, what's the right mindset. You now you had a conversation with your coach about it. And I think the way that you were approaching it and your 10 points, which I hope we get a chance to go through most, if not all of them are really important because you've been talking to some other people who have a very different way of looking at it and it ticked you off one day.
1: Yeah. I can't remember what that was. I do. I went on a rant to Shannon, but <laughs> I don't remember. I love it what set me off. But yeah, I was getting somewhat, you know, it's almost as who's got the bigger, brighter sign that says we need help. That's what's kind of interesting to me. And I start noticing it. And really, that's all they're doing is putting up a sign. And and it's just so much deeper than who has the biggest sign and how to attract, hire, and retain good people for long periods of time.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Because we are in a, you know, I certainly... Read a lot of articles about what's happening with the job slash labor market, how many people are still in it. People who are, you know, had a chance, especially in the restaurant industry, this has come up a lot, who had a chance to look at their life and go, hmm, do I still want to be doing this? Do I still want to be doing it for the same people? You know, where do I want to live? Another read another article yesterday about people moving, you know, virtual work. So let's talk about that for a moment because the environment that we're all in, and I don't know any company that's going to grow unless you're a rugged individualist, which in which case you're probably not listening to me <laughs> and, and us right now, you know, where you don't need other really great, talented, committed, energetic, creative people to help you, you know, accomplish your 10X vision. You know, we need to find these great people, but the environment that we're operating or looking for people or posting or sign is different. So let's talk about that for a moment You mentioned a great stat about number of people who just left the workforce right now.
1: Right. Yeah. I remember what kind of ticked me off is that I keep talking to people and everybody just says, oh, there's, you can't find help. You can't find help. That's kind of the mentality in in our area. And we're highly tourist oriented here. So our business quadruples in the summertime than in the wintertime. So that was one of the things that got me going. And then, I'm sorry, Shannon, what was your what was your question originally?
0: Well, it was who's still in the workforce? Like some people have actually just left the workforce.
1: Yeah. And I've read a couple of articles myself, something like 11% of people have just decided to leave the workforce altogether. So that, you know, you go from 100 to, down to 90 real quick. And then the unemployment benefits that absolutely has impacted it. So that might take you down to 70%. And then there's, you know, 10% of people that just don't show up and that's probably higher now, probably more like 20%. So that takes you down to 50, you know, and then do the people meet your needs. And so by the time you go through all these hurdles, there's a finite amount of people right now, especially with all the baby boomers that are retiring every single day right now. So you can fight it or you can come up with strategies on how to kind of hack the problem.
0: So let's dive into those because I'm sure, I mean, if anyone has the mindset, there's no good people out there. Hmm. <laughs> you're going to be stuck. And Dan, he actually said this last week in the workshop I was in, because it keeps coming up. This is not a new conversation, maybe new circumstances, but not a new conversation. And he said, people are always saying, you know, there's no great people out there. He said, but great people want to work for great entrepreneurs. Hmm. Look at yourself first and look at what are you providing? Are you meeting people's needs? Are you treating people as a thing or as a human being with their own these Dan has this great expression people do things for their reasons not yours which I think is so powerful to remember sometimes so let's go through some of your 10 things because they're quite fun I'm glad this is a podcast because we can use certain words that we wouldn't otherwise but anyway we have a list so we'll go through the list of 10 things so anyway I'm gonna let you say number one Charlie because it cracks me up and I love it it's so perfect
1: let's pull it here myself all right um number one No beating around the bush don't be a dick
0: I love
1: it. I mean, that's what it is. And I refer to company culture and actually this stemmed from a strategic coach meeting, a quarterly seminar in person before it was virtual. And we were talking about company culture and going back and forth. And this person had a definition and this person had a definition, but different. And nobody could get on the same page. And I just raised my hand I said, just, just don't be a dick. And everybody kind of laughed, but then they all kind of sat back and even Michael was like, yeah, you know what? There's something to be said for that. <laughs> and really, you know, when you talk about, you know, you kind of went through a list, but, you know, ergonomics, what do you need to do with the job? And then is it a nice place to work? And how are the people treated? How are you paid? All that stuff. And that all does come back, you know, it all points to the top, every company, no matter how big or small it is. And so if, if you're already a jerk, you know, the politically correct word might don't be a jerk. But uh, when you say don't be a dick, it really resonates with people, I think, because Mm -hmm. if you think of a boss, I mean, if you ask people, you know, is your boss a jerk or not, they'll they'll probably tell you really quick. Uh So that is number one.
0: (laughs) I love it. And everything else cascades below that, just so you know. And part of that for me, too, is, you know, it means being respectful, you know, not being arbitrary in your behavior, not losing your cool, which sometimes can be challenging. But it means actually being a professional. It means treating people with respect and being fair is another one and consistency. So there's, we could spend a whole conversation just on number one, but those are some of the things. And a lot of times people go, Oh, I guess I kind of was a jerk in that situation. Right? So it's one of those things where look at yourself first and that's a good clue, but number one, perfect. Don't be dick slash jerk. So let's talk about number two, which has to do with money because mm-hmm. this is a big one for a lot of people. And you said this, earlier about you've chosen not to compete on price in terms of your store right and i think we all need to be competitive to a point i'll just read out loud so your second point is be able to come within ten percent of advertised salaries but then you have another strategy too if you want to make sure you get that human on your team
1: Mm -hmm. yeah you know we don't compete on our retail pricing yeah when it comes to how we pay people we try and be very competitive And most people that come and work for us, especially because we are more of a family-oriented, service-oriented business, they know what they're getting into, especially people that have been in a corporate climate, for instance. So for them to go from corporate to come work for us, the salary is often not the number one thing that they're looking for. but. If they are looking for salary, for instance, then you have to at least be in the range. And and that kind of goes with our retail pricing is that we don't want to be offensive in our pricing. We are higher priced. We know that. But especially on hot movers, say something like Kraft macaroni and cheese that's in every cupboard, you know, you have to be within 10% of your closest competition there. So I think the same goes with your salaries is that you have to be relative. And Mm -hmm. then when you meet that person that just... You know is a right fit. You know is going to bring value. In this market especially, my quick start personality has really helped our business because I try and secure them as quickly as possible. Because when I see good talent, I jump on it quickly. And so if they want 45000 a year, I say, can you give me five minutes? Go talk with my management team. Come in and say, what do you think about 46000 And so, boom, they're just like, oh, yeah, and maybe give them $1,000 sign-on bonus. And so you really wow these people, you know, because it's going to pay back dividends way down the line.
0: Oh my God. Okay. There's so, I love you that you gave that example because so many people are expecting to leave the room and come back and start to haggle, right? They're not expecting to be met and then increased. That's, oh, that's really good. Before we hit record, I was saying that we've got a really super hot candidate for my new position that I'm filling because I'm in the hiring process right now. And you were like, Shannon, I would have locked them in already. Like, come on, go. (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Okay. Don't lose them.
1: (laughs) I knew about salaries and pricing before I worked for my father, before I was a coach. And then working in the grocery business, you know, where labor is your number one expense, you know, you have to really walk a fine line. But then getting into strategic coach and learning about how not to commoditize people with a number and, you know, to look at other things and other skills and talents, that's where I kind of shifted my my approach because my approach is, I mean, even you, Shannon, you were surprised. Your eyes got really wide. Why wow, you give them a thousand more? You didn't go back to, well, no, like, I know I want them. They want to work here. Like, what more do you need? Like, you've already got your $45,000 budget. Why not? Break it out over 52 weeks. It's going to cost you like $8 a week or whatever it is. I don't know. So
0: <laughs> I love it. I just want to reflect back on a coach concept that totally relates to what you're saying. And also your next point is that treat people as investments, not costs. Hmm. If you are looking at it from the standard financial perspective, you know, labor costs are a cost on your PL. But first of all, do you want to be treated as a cost? Probably not. Because what do we try to do with costs? Any, any smart business person in any business, what are you trying to do with costs? Minimize them. What are you trying to do with your investments? Maximize. Right. So the whole point, and this is something Dan wrote ooh, years ago, treat people as investments, not costs. So you're throwing another one or $2,000 at them. They're like, whoa, I'm really valued here. I'm not just being minimized. You've set the tone dramatically and at the very beginning, that's powerful.
1: $1,000 to that person means so much more to them than it does to a big company, for yeah. instance. It's much easier for us to do it. And it, it just, set, like you said, it's sets the right tone. Mm,
0: I love it. So let's go to point number three, because it's not just new hires that we're talking about. It's also your existing team.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. Especially when you need to be aggressive in finding new people and you might be throwing more money out there. Before you do that, you better make sure that your people are taken care of. I have hourly associates. I have salaried associates, you know, all the way up to C-level people. And so we're very, very sensitive to what's going on. We review it at least quarterly. In the last year, we've been looking at it more than quarterly, just making sure that people are where they need to be, making adjustments if necessary. And then going back to point number one, you know, and and running a good company, and there's no reason to acquire people if they're only here for a short time, because you don't run your business well, and you don't appreciate them, and you don't have good benefits. But there's, you know, you have to look at your, I guess, we're talking about salary right now. But it goes right into number four about selling the sizzle for your company. So you've got benefits. And in America, health insurance, huge, huge thing to do. In our company, there's You got vacation pay, holiday pay, health insurance, dental insurance, vision, life insurance, disability benefits. Uh, We have stock ownership plans, 401k plans. There's all those things. And I, you know, Shannon was telling me some of strategic coach's benefits before, and she went through that list so fast, I said, stop, you know, go back to that vacation thing. And I just did the same thing, you know, and, and we put it on a nice little sheet of paper here. So it's really easy for people to see when they come work for us oh this is why I need to work here right like why it's the big why why should I work for you well as it pay Well, pay is definitely part of it but it's also about the vacation or everybody's different you know everybody has a different life different circumstances different timelines there's so many different spokes to this human resource wheel at the moment you have to try and get a decent grab of each one of them
0: mm, could not agree more and we have a list That's why I was sharing the list with you, but then you actually added graphics to it. So even though we're on a podcast, it's audio and you can't see, there's this really great, you know, three different versions, one for full-time hourly, one for part-time hourly, and then one for full-time salary position that lists with little pictorials of what the things are. It's not all the detail, but it gives you the overview. And I have to say, it's impressive. If I'm someone applying for a job with you and you give me this to take home, Who am I going to show it to? My family, right? Like, look at all the things I get. Because by the way, (laughs) there's a whole other team of people going, yes, this is a good company to work for. No, it's not. And so you actually are marketing. And I do want to talk about marketing for talent, not just marketing for customers, because that's kind of what ticks you off about people just putting the sign up. It's like, it's not enough. But before we do that, I do want to talk about taking care of your team. And if I see something that is destructive to teams, it's where the new people coming in, the market's changed. And the new people get offered the big juicy salaries and the current people are not taken care of. There is nothing to cause resentment and discontent more than not taking care of your existing team. And by taking care of it means like making sure that their salaries stay competitive. One really wise client of ours did two things. She had compensation and she had performance. And so with compensation, you needed to be competitive within a band for your particular capabilities. So your certifications or whatever. And then she also had your performance. So, you know, depending that, you know, if you're a top performer and you weren't yet on the top band, great. That meant a raise. Right? If now, if you're at the top of top, there may not be that big a raise because that was not, you take you out of the competitive range, but that's probably gotten bigger right now. So she just had a really great way of making sure that people were always within their competitive band to make sure that people were not feeling you know, not paid enough, not valued. A great article I read years ago from HR managers said, we want new hires to be happy. We want them to like adding your 1000 or $2,000. A good HR manager at a, at least a larger company will say, well, what's going to make you happy? And that's what really new candidates should come in with is the number that's going to make them happy. So we don't want people starting not happy. And on that note too, it's like, I know people who take a salary cut sometimes to go and work at a smaller more intimate, more family-oriented company, but it can take them so long to get back to a competitive salary. I'm like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Not that I want everyone to pay an exorbitant amount because I don't, right. but I, there is a fairness to it about making sure people have enough to live in the communities that they're in. So I'm a big fan of fairness in that regard. So let's go back to selling the sizzle of your company because I think that's so key. Listing the benefits because you know you have to pay extra money if you're Going back to point number one, if you're a jerk, you know, money covers some ills. right? It pays for those things. But if you have all those other things, people are willing to take a competitive salary. It doesn't have to be more because you have so many great things. And I think you and I chatted about this. The whole idea of marketing, not just for your customers, but for your talent and putting as much time, love, creativity, energy Into that, making sure that part of your website is robust, making sure you're out on social media about those things. I don't see a lot of people who are that proactive about it, but to my mind, it's like there's a huge opportunity for at least some people in your company to take that on as a project, not your company, but everyone listening, to really make sure that we are marketing almost as aggressively for great talent as we are. I think we have 18 positions open at Strategic Coach right now. Wow. That's a lot. A lot.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's like 18%, right? So we need to be, you know, on this page. I mean, I think we do a great job, but it's like there's a whole other mindset here that's possible.
1: Right, right, yeah. One thing we were talking about before you started recording, Shannon, was how this particular piece of paper got in front of one of my team members, and he came to me, asked to sit down, and he brought up like eight more things that I never even thought about. So here I am. I'm, I'm the boss. I think I know what people want and what drives people. Well, I was not even close on some of these things. And so get your team involved to help them tell you how to get these good people as well because they want more people because it makes their, their life a little bit easier and they want they want to grow the team and, and build. Wow. So they're a very good resource for you to tap before you put this out there.
0: That's such a great point. Yeah, because some of the things that we think are super valuable a little bit, we can have cursive knowledge where we think we know right. and yet when we're talking to people are like, oh, actually, no, this is really important. Right. It's kind of funny. One of the things on our list is free you know, soda pop, you know, soft drinks, that kind of thing, coffee, tea. And I I sort of chuckled. It's like, really? Is that a big deal? We had one person, I, he might have even have been a part-time person, but really critical to our functioning of our company at the time. We asked him what was his favorite thing about coach? He goes free pop, which is what we call it in Canada. So it's like, good to know, right? You know, we, we buy and we stock that on purpose.
1: And Shannon, you chuckled at it. But I said, you know, Shannon, as a grocer, I know the cost of doing that. I said, that's a real benefit. Very subjective. All these different things that we put out there are so subjective to the person that you're you're trying to hire.
0: Yeah, very true. All right. So let's go through some of the other ones. Number five.
1: (laughs) Move with speed. And this is what I was trying to coach Shannon on because she found a great candidate, and I said, what are you waiting for? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. okay, Charlie, I will.
1: Again, I'm a quick start, so I do everything with speed, especially new things. But when we find a candidate that I think is a great part of our team, I move very quickly. And I try and, you know, that starts with the conversation that we're having one-on-one. Mm-hmm. After we have an interview, I, I like to get a salary, and then how quick could you come if we could work this out? And so, you know, start planting those seeds, so they're thinking the same way. And then sometimes I might leave the room, have a quick chat with the manager, come back, make them an offer right there. Or if they're not in that much of a hurry, or we might talk about maybe an offer next week, but I'll go home that night, type up the offer that night and email it to them that night. Mm -hmm. And that's worked really well. And so it's just about following up with them and showing them you don't want to be desperate, but you do want to show them that, that you mean business, you know? And so if you come in with a strong financial offer, if you come in quickly and say, Hey, we'd really like you to come now, mm-hmm. you know, and tell them why, you know, our business is growing. We need your help. I know you want to take, you know, if you, we can work with you on this, but you know, it's just, it comes out of negotiation, but I think the quicker we move the last three or four great people that I've hired, I moved really quick on every single one of them. And I got every single one of them.
0: Oh, that's amazing. We looked at lots of people and some of them we've lost because we have a fairly long, you know, we do lots of profiles and lots of conversations, you know, which has its benefits, but we've also lost some people because of that. Now I'm, I am happy that people we did end up with are phenomenal, but there's a potential price to pay for that. So excellent point. I think I might be making a phone call after this, (laughs) Good, (laughs) which is fun. All right, let's go to number six, which is kind of related.
1: Yeah, you have to know what's going on, be aware of other offers in the market, be aware what giant corporations are paying or smaller businesses, what the benefits are, so that you can kind of compare apples to apples when you've got your candidate in front of you.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. And one of the other things that both of our companies does, number seven, is to offer incentives to your current team, especially to... Just that they know who you want. They know who they want to work with. They know who's going to be a right fit culturally. And so really incentivizing your team to help you find people. That's a phenomenal recruiting tool. A lot of companies, I think, do this now. But offering a financial incentive. Ours is to make sure, you know, if we hire them and they stay for three months, there's a substantial check that the person referring that person gets, which is really exciting. You do the same thing.
1: We do. But after hearing that, I might need to bump mine up. I think I'm going to increase it because we've really only had one person do that. I mean, we've had over the years, we've had people bring in people from word of mouth and that's just because they wanted to help people. But I think I'm going to increase mine now that I hear that from you. So
0: (laughs) I love it. I love how we're coaching each other on this one. Again, some other ones, which probably are not completely unknown to people, but one is to be online. You talk about ZipRecruiter, Indeed and Facebook. We posted something on LinkedIn, on my own personal LinkedIn the other day. I mean, there's job postings on LinkedIn, but there's also just posting it on my own personal profile because the position I'm looking for is working directly with me. So that can be super helpful.
1: Yeah. And just word of mouth, really, because we've got a couple of great people just from talking about what's going on in businesses. And this person just happened to be resigning from my uncle's company, but he still wanted to work. So we hired him and he's perfect fit. So just, just word of mouth and talking about things. and But you have to be online. If you're not online, then you're irrelevant.
0: Yeah. One of the insights I had when we've been talking about this is it's kind of like always be hiring. Like you are never not looking for great people. People use the sports analogy of really making sure that you are Seating your bench, (laughs) you want to make sure you've got some really strong bench strengths, which means you cannot afford to not pay attention to it. And this is one of the cool things I've found about talking to entrepreneurs forever, 30 years, is that as soon as I start talking to people, and this goes back to who, not how, is as soon as I start talking about people and helping them get really clear on the person they need that's going to really leverage and support the business, darn it if they don't have three or four names come to mind. I'm like, (laughs) no one else I know has this Almost like there's some entrepreneurial radar for great people. So maybe you're aware of it, that you have it, maybe you're not. (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of, you know, I think Dave's brother in law could be a good fit for this. I mean, who knows what the connection could be. But I've always been impressed by the sheer resourcefulness of entrepreneurs in terms of their networks and who they know. So it just means really, I think, being conscious of it is something that I've become more aware of.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. And I try and hire the mailman sometimes. I mean, and part of it is, I mean, kind of goes into head hunting. You know, if you see somebody in another business and they're doing a great job, you know, mention it, say, hey, listen, you might want to come over to our side, you know? And you have to be careful with that, especially in a small town, but big companies will headhunt your people everybody will head on each other. So, you know,
0: <laughs> you just made me think of how I got hired a coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what happened was I was working for another company. I'd been there for, well, by the time I left, I've been there for three and a half years, say Dana Babson coach rented seminar room space and they approached a friend of mine that I was working with about what they wanted him to do. And so he told me, I'm like, Ooh, he's going to an introductory presentation. Right. Then we called it the Great Crossover. I said, "Well, see if I can come too. So I went down to this like little dark office. We just had an administrative office. Well, Strategic Coach had an administrative office. It wasn't my company then. And Dan Sullivan was presenting and it was slides. So the lights went off pitch black. Mm -hmm. Six men in suits were around the room. And then there's my friend Ross and I tucked into the back corner. Great presentation. He talked about the shift from the industrial to the knowledge economy and the skills that would be needed and all the things. And then we left. And... Susan, the person that had put together the presentation, called up Ross and said, "You do I can get a hold of Shannon? She didn't know I work with them. Also, a nine quick start, by the way." So he goes, "Yeah, she's right here." <laughs> Puts me on the phone. This is why she could respond quickly, and she asked me two questions. She said, "Did you enjoy the presentation?" I said, "Yes, I loved it. It put together things I knew or knew of, but had not integrated that way." And to this day. Uh, Dan's two bottom line talents are innovate and integrate. It's what Dan does to my mind. And then the second question was, are you happy with what you're doing? And out of my mouth pops, no, I'm bored. Five weeks later, I started at strategic coach.
1: Classic. There you go. Perfect. He asked me
0: how much I needed to make. And I told her, except I'd forgot to calculate taxes. Oh. That was a bit, <laughs> a bit of an issue. I was very poor for a while. Anyway, figure that out eventually. But that's exactly what happened. She noticed me. For some reason, I just came in to be an observer, but she approached me and that's how I got started at coach. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I wouldn't have thought to tell that story otherwise. Yeah. So that's a little bit of think outside the box, right? Like look at different ways of attracting people. You know, for me, it was putting it on LinkedIn, my personal LinkedIn, but I have to be in conversation to come up with these ideas. So was talking with our team about how we could get some more candidates and like, oh, I could do this. You have a physical location, which is not closing, (laughs) going virtual, My goodness. So you do things like put up signs at checkout. What are some of the other things that you do?
1: In terms of on-site, you know, we have the sign that I was complaining about, but we we don't, to be honest, we don't do a whole lot on-site and maybe we should be doing more and we tend to have a pretty good stream of people coming in, you know, especially around the summertime, obviously with kids getting in a, out of school and that. And, and it comes back to word of mouth or it's amazing how many people do know about us before they come work for us and they, they really want to work there, you know. But thinking outside the box is making sure that all the online things are, and it's all these little things that we're talking about with word of mouth and going back to the recruitment bonus. And I want to make a disclaimer, we're not doing it perfectly by any means. <laughs> we're not perfect. We we have the same challenges that everybody does. So we're thinking of new ways every single day and every area, every part of the country is a little bit different. You know, So you, you might do it a little bit differently than we do over here, but you just can't do what we've been doing for the past 20 years. I can guarantee you that.
0: That's a really great point. So refresh it. Same as you would your marketing. You need to, you know, for customers or clientele, you need to do exactly the same for talent. All right. So we're already at point number 10. So what you talk about here is do a cost analysis of the impact to your business if you don't hire the person. I think this is a genius way of looking at things, by the way. And pay the premium. So this is so critical. Like, I think people, again, if you've got the cost mindset, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost me so much more, which could work out to another $8 a week, like whoop you do? But the cost of not hiring them, talk about that, because I think it's a little bit like the impact filter. The worst result is if you don't take action, right? So talk about that, because I think that's key and really holds people back.
1: I've got a great example for this point our toughest position right now that we're trying to fill is an overnight donut fryer. And so this person comes in at like 10 PM and they work it alone all night long around hot grease and they have to lift heavy packages and have to make sure the presentation's right. And they have to do it by this time and make sure it's perfect. We had the perfect who that did it for 20 years, but they finally retired. And so now we've had a really hard time filling this position. So, You know, we go to, well, can we automate it? Can we do it during the day? We start thinking about how we can fix it when, you know, (laughs) we need to find the right who. But we look at this product, we are known for our donuts. All three stores, this is like our signature item, right? so what's the impact of our business if we don't find that it's huge huge impact and there's a dollar i mean we sell we probably sell a thousand donuts a day between the three locations (laughs) so we actually you know we're making money and then it's the traffic of people coming into our store passing our groceries getting their donut oh i now i need milk oh the wife needed this and so by the time they've left that 90 well it used to be 99 cents it's now a dollar 39 i think a piece turned into a $25 sale. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that and what we're paying our donut fryer, you know, we probably have one of the highest paid donut fryers in the world (laughs) because it has that much impact on our business. And so we can look at the cost analysis of decreased traffic because our donuts aren't fresh. I mean, there is so much tied to this one position. So when I look at this list of 10 things, you know, I better sharpen my pencil on this and we better make sure that we get this right. Uh So that's a great example, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Oh, I love that. It's interesting because I, you know, by the way, you're making me hungry for donuts, just which I'm trying not to eat right now anyway, or ever. But anyway, it sounds delicious. So that's a really critical position. And if you're not in kind of the business that you are, I notice so many other people who don't hire even something as straightforward or as commonly thought of like a strategic assistant right? What is the cost of not hiring that person? Well, a favorite expression of mine is, it didn't come from me though, I can't take credit for it, is if you don't have an assistant, you are one. i probably rarely highly paid for the quality of work that you're delivering. <laughs> Too highly paid. So like strategic assistant, what we would call an innovation manager, someone to make those projects real. What's the cost of not having that person on board? It's loss of revenue. It's loss of productivity, loss of traction, loss of momentum, you know, which turns into revenue and profit down the road. So that one kind of blew my mind when you shared it with me because I don't think we think about it that way very often. And the other thing is, if I think about it from a team standpoint, it's like, what's the cost of someone else having to take on this job for too long, spending extra hour or two a day, you know, having to change their work schedule, just being stressed and overloaded, not taking their free days, you know. So the wear and tear on the team is another kind of wake you up cost that people may not be taking into account
1: yeah and it's probably a little bit easier in my business because i have a product that we sell that we can associate with people but our guacamole station for instance you know it's a tough job again it's a dirty tough job but in the summertime guacamole is the number one produce item in terms of dollars in the whole store and we do like $50,000 a week in producing. We sell a lot of produce in the summertime and guacamole is up there. So we have to make sure that we have that person there because it will cost us. We sell hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of guacamole in a year. And if we don't have the right person doing it, we're out of business. <laughs>
0: I love it. It's so fun hearing about, you know, we're in the coaching business. It's so fun hearing about a completely different deal, but I can totally relate it to what we're up to, which is why having so many positions open right now, is like, uh, you know, it's a lot. So this is really interesting. One last thing I want to talk about, goes a little bit back to point number one in culture, is really finding the right fit person, the person who wants to work for an entrepreneurial company, the one that, really has what I would call an entrepreneurial attitude. So let's talk about that, because not everyone is a right fit for our type of organization. Not everyone is a great fit for a family type business. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, that relates to going back to number 10 with the cost analysis is that in the grocery business, for instance, it costs us about $7,000 to train a new employee. So every time we have turnover, we consider that $7,000. So if you throw that into your cost analysis of burning out your team and losing somebody, you know, you just need to think of this resource thing totally different. And because I went back to that point, I lost my...
0: (laughs) Just the value of having a right fit person. To my mind, it's like, here's who we are. So one of the candidates that I was just looking at today, actually, in the resume, sounded very corporate in terms of what they were looking for, how they talked about it, who they were looking to work for. So I went back to our HR person and said, make sure they actually wanna work for an entrepreneurial company because if they're looking for status, our whole thing is focus on your contribution versus your status. You're gonna get status if you make a contribution, but that's the byproduct, right? If you're after status first, coach is not the right place for you, especially working with me. So it's really making sure that people's value systems are aligned with who you are, what you are and being super clear, not hiding it, not disguising it, not springing on them after they've joined so that you really can have that. I mean, you call your people partners, you know, and associates. And it's like, this is a relationship where you count on one another. It's not about, Not all entrepreneurial companies are less hierarchical, but we really are relying on each other's skills and talents to be successful. So I think it's important to be upfront about that.
1: Yeah. And I think the right fit, wrong fit, I have another good example for that because I hired like four people within three months and three of them were perfect fits. One of them was a horrible fit. And so you obviously, when you have the wrong fit, you're wasting time, you're wasting money, you're wasting resources, go back to that $7,000. But then whoever may have brought that person in kind of feels bad and you have to start all over. And so it's not great for the team. And you don't know the damage that that wrong fit person might do before they leave, which can be really ugly sometimes. And then let's just flip that around 180 and you get the right fit. And this one person that we brought on like, has completely exceeded my expectations. And he happened to be one of these people that I gave a sign-on bonus and moved quickly and paid a premium. He has just completely gone off the radar with things that I didn't even know were possible. He's only been working for us for like three months. So the right fit, wrong fit, spending a little bit more time at the front end, like, like strategic coach does, maybe not quite as much time as strategic coach does, but just I think it's everything, to be honest
0: with you. Uh Oh, cool. I love it. Oh, this is such a rich conversation because I do think we need to think a little bit differently. You know, people are so critical to all of our businesses, you know, especially if you've got physical presence that's needed, but even, you know, people are hiring people even in different locations, different countries, but still these criteria still apply. These strategies still make complete sense and always being on the lookout for great people and making sure they're a match. And then you're 10 strategies starting with don't be a jerk is perfect because I think we can forget the easy stuff sometimes. And this is how to be competitive in a really competitive job market. And the end strategy is just be better. Just be great and let people know that you're great.
1: Yeah. And Shannon, I've been, you know, over the last 12 months, I've been working on my unique ability, trying to figure out what I should be doing in my business. And in the last six months, I've decided to spend more time on human resource related things in my business right now because we need more human resources. We need this to run our business. And so personally, I'm going to be spending more of my time focusing on how to make this better and better for our businesses.
0: I love that because I know, and Dan's also been talking about this in terms of what the business owners kind of key unique ability or one of their key leadership functions is, well, one of the things he talked about in crisis is inspiring confidence. That'd be number one, but sharing your vision. And a lot of times it is, how do you talk about it? He was saying that it's you being super clear with the vision that actually gives purpose to other people's capabilities. So I love that. I mean, it's going to pay off in a ton of side benefits. We're not even hiring new people just with the existing team and having them be cohesive because when people know what they're contributing their talents for and two, it's so galvanizing. It brings out the very best in people, you know, making sure people have good food and have a great place to come and shop and be able to take care of their families and do it in a really hospitable environment. I've totally changed where I shopped during covid now, I went to the smaller store because it was much more pleasant to be in. People really cared. They smiled. They thanked me for my business every single time. I imagine it's a lot like your store. And that's where I'm going from now on, right? So it was fascinating to see what's important to people. And I think, you know, we give people a vision of what can be possible with our companies, what we're about, what our purpose is. We attract the right people who also that fulfill something in them too. And then you're just having fun working together. And producing great results, so I'm excited because I think this conversation might blow up a few old ways of thinking that were not super helpful. I love that this actually started with the rant because that's how so much of my creativity kicks in. I get frustrated with something. It's not just about putting up one sign, but it's really about being conscious and aware of how to attract great people. It goes back to Dan's comment, you know, great entrepreneurs attract great people, and I think you've really outlined 10 plus points on how to do that. So, Charlie, this has very educational I really appreciate being able to have this conversation with you
1: awesome it's been great and I just kind of realized thinking back over all these points that we've been talking about thinking back COVID pre-COVID you know we've didn't really lose many people when COVID started. It's just that we just need more people. And what a great problem to have. And I'm, I'm so fortunate to have our team that we do have. So going back to taking care of them, and I think just realizing that we're so lucky to have all these people work for us, even in this environment right now. Now we just need to find a couple more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Actually, let me just end with that because in sharing your weekly planner and positive focus with your team every single week, It was kind of incredible. I mean, you were kind enough to share what you shared with your team with me. So I got to see the exact communication in your email, your scanned copy of your handwritten positive focus in your weekly planner. So the amount of transparency that you gave them in terms of what your life was about, what you were up to, when you're on free days, what your focus was in the stores, learned more about the grocery business. Even though I was a cashier many, many moons ago, I learned more about the grocery business, which was fun was really powerful and you never, ever, ever failed to acknowledge and thank them for the gain, right? Not that there weren't problems to solve, there were, but you always were in the gain rather than the gap with them. And that is so unusual. And I don't think I'm perfect at it by any stretch, but you've been one of my models over COVID for how to really communicate in a way that just gave people enormous amount of resilience when they needed it and just thanking them for their efforts and their contribution and their positive energy even when things were hard especially when things were hard and i think that's just a great example of leadership so thanks for being my buddy <laughs> during covid through the weekly planner and i think all the lessons and our deeper conversations have been certainly educational for me so for you to be on team success and to share that with other people just makes my day so thank you Charlie.
1: thank you so much it's- been a pleasure and great to work with you as well.
0: Cool. I'm sure we'll come up with more at some point. All All right. Thanks, Charlie.
1: Thank you.